Good morning again. Thanks, Paul. It's lovely to be with you again. Uh, if I didn't meet you last week, my name's Travis. Uh, I attend Bandura Presbyterian Church with my family. And um, I've come to visit this church many years ago, so it's great to be back here with you again. Can I encourage you to keep your Bibles open as well? Well, do you enjoy life? Would those closest to you say it was one of your defining characteristics? That you are happy to be alive, that you enjoy the good things that life has to offer, that you wake up looking forward to what the day has in store. Uh, One pastor back in the 18th century said that in ministry he's found two things difficult. The first is to make the wicked sad. Let's face it, sin often makes us so happy. The second is to make the godly joyful. He's saying it's difficult to make godly people happy. Here's what he says in his own words. There are two things which I've always looked upon as difficult. The one is to make the wicked sad. The other is to make the godly joyful. Dejection in the godly rises from a double spring, either because their inward comforts are darkened or their outward comforts are disturbed. What do you think? Is that true? Are Christians predominantly miserable? Are you, for the most part, miserable about life? Do you complain on the inside or outwardly to God and others about your life? Are you compounded with anxiety or sorrow about things that are happening in your world? Why is it that despite the fact that we have so much to enjoy, we are often miserable? Well, I can't speak for you uh, or Christians in general, but I can speak for myself. And I have to say, I regularly feel miserable. This last week and throughout the past years, you can just ask my family. Miserable, unhappy, grumpy, preoccupied and consumed with worries and sorrows and stresses about life. Statistically, Australians, as I'm sure you know, are hitting new levels of depression. In particular, and more broadly, mental health decline. And if I'm anything to go on, Christians aren't immune either. The truth is, the things that I look to to make me happy aren't. So where do we turn when we feel miserable? TV, I turn to TV. Food, exercise, my wife. Many of us turn to things like alcohol or porn, the iPhone, work or study, books, social media, family, or any other of a host of pleasures to make us feel better, even if it's only for a short time. Let's turn back to God this morning. Let's turn back to his word. Let's turn back to the preacher in Ecclesiastes and hear him say, enjoy life. Enjoy life. Let me pray. 
Father in heaven, uh, your word says uh, that it is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting and training in righteousness. Father in heaven, we pray that you would do that today through your word. I pray that you would help me to speak it clearly and boldly and give us all ears to hear. Amen. Well, previously, the preacher drove home the message to us that everything under the sun is smoke. Hevel, remember that word? Breath, vapor, a chasing after the wind. Life and everything in it is there and gone. He's pursued every path in life, looking for something to hang on to, something that Uh, Sorry, something to hang on to. And at the end of every journey, he discovers that it leads nowhere. Dead end. It's smoke. Wealth. Smoke. Pleasure. Smoke. Wisdom. Smoke. And so on. He finally found a path, something outside of this world that didn't come up nowhere. Lasting happiness, purpose, satisfaction can only be found in God. In a relationship with God, grounded on obedience to his word, now realized for us in a relationship found only through Jesus, the Passover lamb, the good shepherd. This time, I want to go back over what the preacher has learned about enjoyment. Please keep your Bibles open. And once again, a warning, strap in as I'll be referring to lots of passages There is a full transcript of the sermon outside. You're welcome to go and get one or afterwards. And as always, test what you hear by what you read in God's word. It is a privilege to have a Bible in your own language. So please make good use of it. Well, it may come as a surprise, but despite its pessimistic outlook, Ecclesiastes is actually optimistic. The preacher, from his own journey, commends the enjoyment of life explicitly. Take, for example, chapter 5. We heard it. This is what I observe to be good. That is appropriate for a person to eat, to drink, and to find satisfaction in their toilsome labor under the sun. During the few days of life, God's given them, for this is their lot. 5.18. The preacher makes the same point over And over again in chapters 2, 3, 5, 6, 8, 9, and 11. It says there in chapter 11, we heard it earlier, light is sweet and it pleases the eyes to see the sun. However many years anyone may live, let them enjoy them all. The preacher has lots to say about the whole spectrum of emotions we feel in this life. Sadness, worry, pain, etc. But enjoyment stands apart in frequency and importance. What does the preacher mean when he says, enjoy life, you ask? Well, let me tell you. Enjoyment for the preacher is something which consumes the whole body and flows out to all of life. Go eat your food with gladness and drink your wine with a joyful heart. For it is now that God favours what you do. 
chapter 9, verse 7. Chapter 8, verse 15 says, So I commend the enjoyment of life, because nothing is better for a person under the sun than to eat and drink and be glad. Then joy will accompany them in their work all the days of the life that God has given them under the sun. Or chapter 3, verse 12. I know that there is nothing better for people than to be happy and do good while they live. A person enjoying life isn't just happy on the outside, but from the inside out. Their joy or gladness stemming from the heart, the center of their being, bubbles over into a life of doing good to others. Or as the preacher says to those who enjoy life, whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. If you're enjoying life, then it must be visible to those around you. A joyful heart, gladness, happiness, joy for the preacher is a gift from God. A person can do nothing better than to eat and drink and find satisfaction in their own toil. This too, I see, is from the hand of God. For without him, who can eat or find enjoyment? That's chapter 2, 24 and 25. Or what about chapter 5, verse 19? Moreover, when God gives someone wealth and possessions and the ability to enjoy them, to accept their lot and be happy in their toil, this is a gift of God. They seldom reflect on the days of their life because God keeps them occupied with gladness of heart. Enjoyment in this life is our lot. Chapter 3, verse 22 reads, So I saw that there is nothing better for a person than to enjoy their work because that is their lot. And again, chapter 5, verse 18 and chapter 9, verse 9. Remember, a lot is something which has been apportioned to us as our share in this life. Enjoyment is a God-given provision for our time on this planet. In fact, as we heard in the Bible reading of chapter 6, good things without the ability to enjoy them is hevel, smoke. I have seen another evil under the sun and it weighs heavily on mankind. God gives some people wealth, possessions and honor so that they lack nothing their hearts desire, but God does not grant them the ability to enjoy them and strangers enjoy them instead. This is meaningless, a grievous evil. A man may have a hundred children and live many years, yet no matter how long he lives, if he cannot enjoy his prosperity and does not receive proper burial, I say that the stillborn child is better off than he. It comes with meaning, it departs in darkness, and in darkness its name is shrouded. Though it never saw the sun or knew anything, it has more rest than does that man. Even if he lives a thousand years twice over, but fails to enjoy his prosperity. Do not all go to the same place? Chapter 6. So if you enjoy life, then thank God. It's his kindness to you. You are fulfilling your purpose and accepting his gifts. His kindness to you, not just giving you life or the things you enjoy, but the ability to enjoy them as well. Not everyone has what you have, if that's you. 
We know it's true. Some people have everything but are miserable. Enjoyment, gladness, joy from the heart, all your days is God's kindness and your lot. Well, what sort of things should we enjoy, you ask? Well, at the top of the list is eating and drinking. Eating and drinking in the preacher's eyes is the picture of a good life of contentment. And it's true, isn't it? When you sit before a table full of delicious food and drinks, my thinking is, surely this is as good as it gets. It's great to be alive. Food and drink throughout the scriptures and from the very beginning signals God's goodness. It's the land flowing with milk and honey, remember. The preacher himself said that he tried cheering himself with wine in chapter 2. It's true, some overeating and drinking, in particular feasting for the preacher, can signal laziness and a refusal to acknowledge the reality of death. But for the most part, when you sit down to eat and enjoy a drink, it declares the kindness of God. Closely following eating and drinking is the enjoyment of work. You heard it in chapter 5 earlier. This is what I've observed to be good, that it's appropriate for a person to eat, to drink, and to find satisfaction in their toilsome labor under the sun during the few days of life God has given them. Now remember, this is before the Industrial Revolution, and so work doesn't necessarily mean paid employment. Perhaps you worked on the farm. Perhaps you managed some business or traded. Perhaps you ran the home and raised kids. Or perhaps you ruled over a nation. From the beginning, work has been an essential part of what God made us to do. Not a result of sin entering the world. God works, Jesus works, and so we work too. Yes, now, our work, as the preacher says, is toilsome. But we are to enjoy it, nevertheless, as a gift from God's hand. The preacher wants us to enjoy others too. Remember in chapter 9, he tells us to enjoy life with your wife whom you love. A spouse is a wonderful gift from God given to us for our enjoyment. Having him or her enjoying their company, enjoying intimacy, enjoying getting to know them, enjoying serving them. It's a gift from God's hand to you that not everyone receives. If not a spouse, then perhaps God has given you good friends or family or neighbours. Enjoy them, says the preacher. The preacher wants us to enjoy other comforts in life too, such as clothing and the anointing the head with oil. It's not an exhaustive list, but a starting point for you to build on. In fact, what the preacher ultimately commends is the enjoyment of being alive. Life is sweet and it pleases the eyes to see the sun. However many years a person may live, let them enjoy them all. Chapter 11, verse 8. So what does the preacher say about who should enjoy life? Well, this heart-filled joy, this gladness to be alive, is for all the living. 
If you are under the sun and entrusted with life from God, then while you are still here, enjoyment of life is for you. It doesn't matter if you're a kid or an older adult or anything in between. God says, enjoy what I give. This is especially true if you are young. Chapter 11, verse 9. You who are young, be happy while you are young and let your heart give you joy in the days of your youth. Follow the ways of your heart and whatever your eyes see, but know that for all these things, God will bring you into judgment. If you are at school or just out of it or just entering it especially, you should be happy because the preacher says that enjoyment fades with age. Chapter 12. Remember your creator in the days of your youth before the days of trouble come and the years approach when you will say, I find no pleasure in them. Why won't you enjoy life as much? Well, he continues, before the sun and the light and the moon and the stars grow dark and the clouds return after the rain, when the keepers of the house tremble and the strong men stoop, when the grinders cease because they are few and those looking through the windows grow dim, when the doors of the street are closed and the sound of grinding faints, when people rise up at the sound of birds but all their songs grow faint, when people are afraid of heights and of dangers in the streets, when the almond tree blossoms and the grasshopper drags itself along and desire no longer is stirred, then people go to their eternal home and mourners go about the streets. Remember him before the silver cord is severed and the golden bowl is broken, before the pitcher is shattered at the spring and the wheel broken at the well, And the dust returns to the ground it came from, and the spirit returns to God who gave it. Meaningless, meaningless, says the teacher. Everything is meaningless. Enjoy life. Enjoy life and everything in it because you won't have it forever. Your life is not yours. It belongs to God. You are smoke here today and gone tomorrow. Every day above ground is a good day. And if you are young, there is still lots of life in you and in front of you, so enjoy it. Enjoyment is our lot. It's the gift of God for all of life, for all who are alive. But I hear you ask, why should we enjoy it? What reasons does the preacher provide to commend enjoyment? Did you notice that enjoyment, time and time again, flows out of the conclusion that all of life is smoke? There is nothing better. Chapter 2, verse 24. Chapter 3, verse 12. Chapter 8, verse 15. There is nothing better. Given that we and everything we do is smoke and are chasing after the wind, the best that we can hope for is just to enjoy what we have For the short time we have it. He says in chapter 9 verse 9, we heard it earlier. Enjoy life with your wife whom you love all the days of this smoke-filled life that God has given you under the sun. All your smoke-filled days. That's my translation. Humanity is burdened by God. Chapter 1 verse 13. 
burdened with death, burdened with bad times and misfortune, burdened with worries, chapter 11, verse 10, and burdened with judgment. Chapter 11, verses 9 and 10 reads, You who are young, be happy while you are young, and let your heart give you joy in the days of your youth. Follow the ways of your heart and whatever your eyes see, but know that for all these things, God will bring you into judgment. So then banish anxiety from your heart and cast off troubles from your body for youth and vigor are meaningless. Our enjoyment in this life is tainted. At its best, it's short-lived. You know it's true. Things can be retracted, taken away by God. What about the man in chapter 4? There was a man all alone. He had neither son nor brother. There was no end to his toil, yet his eyes were not content with his wealth. For whom am I toiling, he asked, and why am I depriving myself of enjoyment? Our joy in life can be robbed by anxiety. Judgment too stands looming over the joys of this life. You will have to answer to your maker, the giver of gifts, for how you spent your life under the sun, receiving his gifts. How and what you enjoyed are accountable to him. Enjoyment, a gladness of heart for the whole of life, flowing out to all of life, is not all it's worked up to be in the preacher's investigation. A distant second, ruined by the realities of existence under the sun. Uh, J.C. Ryle, an 18th century pastor, sums up the preacher's point with these words. To be truly happy, a man or woman must have sources of gladness which are not dependent on anything in this world. There is nothing upon earth which is not stamped with a mark of instability and uncertainty. All the things that money can buy are but for a moment. They either leave us or we are obliged to leave them. All the sweetest relationships in life are liable to come to an end. Death may come any day and cut them off. The man whose happiness depends entirely on things here below is like him who builds his house on sand or leans his weight on the reed. Tell me not of your happiness if it daily hangs on the uncertainties of earth. Your home may be rich in comforts. Your wife and children may be all you could desire. Your means may be ample, amply sufficient to meet all your wants. But, oh, remember, if you have nothing more than this to look to, then you stand on the brink of a precipice. Your rivers of pleasure may any day be dried up. Your joy may be deep and earnest, but it is fearfully short-lived. It has no root. It is not true happiness. So how should what the preachers say about enjoyment shape our lives this coming year? Well, as we learned previously, the only thing that will make you truly happy and joyful, you know, a deep and lasting enjoyment in life, can't rest on things in this world. The only thing that isn't smoke is God. Remember your creator. Fear God, he says. A life lived in relationship with God, pleasing him by doing what he says, which means for us today, 
trusting Jesus, that makes a person truly able to enjoy life. Jesus is the only name by which humanity can be saved. It's because of Jesus that death no longer has a hold on us. It's because of Jesus that we know all things, the good, the bad and the ugly, will work for our good to make us more like him. It's because of Jesus we need not worry about life, for he cares for us, is his promise. It's only Jesus too that can guarantee that when we stand before God on judgment day, we will receive a thumbs up and a pat on the back. Approval from God based on Jesus' performance, given to us as a gift, not our own efforts or lack thereof. If you've put your trust in Jesus, you have the best reason to live a happy and enjoyable life. When Jesus is number one, all other things in this life can be enjoyed for what they are. Fleeting pleasures from God's hand. Money, education, relationships, wisdom, health, sexuality and all other pleasures are not meant to bring lasting enjoyment and happiness in this life. They are subsidiary, a consolation prize. We receive them with gladness and thanks to God when he gives them to us. And while we have them, we enjoy them and see that they're used for his glory, that is, to promote the name of Jesus. And when the things of this world are taken away with a tear in our eye, we say thank you to God for the gift and the time we've had to enjoy it. Or when God takes us away from them, With a tear in our eye, we say thank you to God for the time we've had to enjoy. Things in this life, as they are now, are not meant to bring you lasting enjoyment and joy. The trouble is, is that so often we grow attached to things in this life that, one, we forget they are fleeting and are surprised and deeply grieved when our relationship with them ends. And two, we begin to expect a joy from them they were never meant to deliver, which can leave us feeling disappointed. And three, our attachment to things in this life can foster selfish thinking and behavior. They are mine for my enjoyment, we can say. Friends, if you've put your trust in Jesus, you have the best reason to live a life happy and enjoyable. The joy in your heart doesn't rest on something in this world that can be taken away. It comes from being loved by God through Jesus. It's poured into your heart by the Holy Spirit every day, topped up and refreshed, irrespective of life circumstances or how you feel. Your health may be departing, and yet the best gift, Jesus, can revive that smile on your face. Your money may be all gone, and yet the best gift, Jesus, will make you the richest person alive. Your loved one or best friend may be gone for good, and yet the best gift, Jesus, will ensure your closest friend is always with you and will never forsake you. Pleasures of this world, one by one, may depart, and yet the best gift, Jesus, being forgiven, 
reconciled, adopted and restored, will fill you with a joy from the heart that can bubble over to the rest of life, overshadowing any sadness. I know life at times has many troubles. Things can be messy this side of heaven, can't they? Our time under the sun can leave us miserable. It can be difficult to make the godly joyful, as that pastor said. But make sure Jesus is your greatest source of enjoyment, as the preacher prompts us to today. And enjoy all other things in life with gratitude to God as smoke, fleeting pleasures, subsidiary gifts. It pleases God when we enjoy this, his everyday provisions, the big ones like his son and all the other small ones too. Fix your eyes to heaven where the gifts of this world point us when all things will be eternal and enjoyment will last forever. Here's some New Year's resolutions from Ecclesiastes. I've got six of them. Enjoy your life. Say thank you to God at the start of the day for being alive. It's a gift. Number two, enjoy your life. Say thank you to God more and more for the good gifts he has given you, the ability to enjoy and the time you have to enjoy them. Number three, enjoy your life. Say sorry to God for expecting something from his gifts that only the giver can provide. Say sorry for loving the gifts more than the giver. Number four, enjoy your life. Say thank you to God for Jesus, the best gift that can truly make you happy in a way nothing else can. Number five, Enjoy your life. Whatever your hand finds you to do, study, employment, parenting, investing, caring, whatever, do it with all your might, independence on God and for his glory. And number six, lastly, enjoy your life. Long for heaven, where perfect, unhindered enjoyment with God, with others and his gifts will reign forever. Enjoy your life. Amen. Let me pray. Father in heaven, thank you for this encouragement to enjoy our lives. Thank you for the life that we have today. It is a gift from you. Thank you for all the other pleasures that you give us in this life. Father in heaven, help us to look to Jesus for our greatest joy. Father in heaven, we pray for that day when he returns to make all things new. Father, where we can enter everlasting joy with you. We pray Jesus would come back soon. Amen. Thank you.